You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. Morning, church. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Hill City Church. I'm excited as we continue this I Am teaching series. It's not about us saying I am. This is Jesus, the seven I am statements he makes from the gospel of John. There's a scene recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, where the disciples are with Jesus in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Maybe you remember this story. Some of these disciples formerly were fishermen. They were fishermen uh, born and raised. They've spent many hours on that very same sea in a boat. And yet, there's something different. There's a storm on the Sea of Galilee, so much so that even the seasoned fishermen are worried for their lives. Meanwhile, Jesus is napping. It's true. Read it. It's in the Bible. He's asleep. In the midst of the storm. And, uh, and so the disciples, they go to Jesus, they wake him up. Lord, don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care that we're dying? And Jesus stands up, he speaks a simple few words, rebukes the storm, and calms it. And then he turns to his disciples, he rebukes them for having little faith. Not just, I believe, little faith in his power, but little faith that he cared about them. Don't you care about us? And, uh, and they have the same response, essentially, in all three of those Gospels. They ask each other this question, who is this man? Who is this man? And that's the question that we are seeking to answer in this seven-week teaching series. Who is this man? And they've spent some time already with Jesus. They're already his disciples, They believe in him enough to follow him and spend every waking hour with him. They know he's a good teacher, but this is one of those moments where they start to see a little bit more clearly, maybe this is more than just a man. Maybe this is more than a great rabbi, a great teacher. Maybe this is more than even a prophet. Maybe this is more than a man. And if you're here today, uh, that's the question, really, that, this, that today we're answering and this whole teaching series we're answering. And I hope that your perspective on Jesus gets a little more clear. Whether you're here and you're honestly uh, just not yet a follower of Jesus, you don't really know what your perspective on Jesus is. I hope that you would have a clear picture on who Jesus is. But even if you've been going to church your entire life, that we would see Jesus more clearly as we dive into his word and see what Jesus says about who he is. Because the question behind that question, who is this man, is ultimately the question, is Jesus worth following? Is Jesus worth giving my life to and living uh, for him and following him with everything. We're going to be in John chapter 10 today the entire time. John 10, if you have a Bible, open it to John chapter 10. And uh, we're going to get a little bit of a two for one today. 
So the next two I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John, they both show up in John chapter 10. They're the statements, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. Now we're going to be focusing on that first one, I am the door today, and we're not going to get all the way through the text in John 10, and then we'll pick it back up next week. So think about today as kind of part one, part two of this one teaching that Jesus has for us. And yet, as we'll see, Jesus himself mixes these metaphors. So it's a little bit unavoidable that we're going to be talking about kind of both Jesus as the door and as the good shepherd. So if you're there with me, go ahead and look on John chapter, one, uh, John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I want to show you a picture. This is a picture that's important to kind of uh, get into your imagination. The picture that Jesus wants us to think about is he wants us to think about a sheep pen, an enclosure. Oftentimes in the ancient world, it would have been a rock enclosure. And uh, there's an enclosure, there's sheep, there's a shepherd, and then there's another character in this scene. There's a thief or a robber. And that's a really, really important picture for us to have. In the ancient world, uh, shepherds would take their sheep out into pasture, out into the wilderness. And at nighttime, they would actually build these enclosures, usually at cliff faces. You know, there, there, there's a canyon. They would walk their sheep and they would you know, pile up stones. They would have one way in, one way out, so that wild animals or robbers couldn't get to their sheep while they slept at night. Uh, if those sheep were closer to the village, this courtyard, this enclosure, it might actually be near to the houses. And multiple families would share one sheep enclosure. There'd be multiple different sheep belonging to multiple different families, all sharing one enclosure. Essentially, this lesson that Jesus gives us in John chapter 10 is a leadership lesson. The word for shepherd is poimain, and essentially, it's a synonym for the word leader. It's actually where we get our, our English word pastor is the same word for shepherd. There's not two different words in the Greek for, sh for shepherd or pastor. It's the same word poimain. So I'm the lead pastor, but essentially, I'm a, sh I'm a shepherd, even though I've never actually dealt with literal sheep. I'm a shepherd, biblically speaking. It's another uh, term used for leader. Some of you, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, some of Israel's best leaders were shepherds by trade. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd for 40 years in the Midianite uh, land. Uh, David, before he was King David or Warrior David, he was little shepherd boy David. And then even the prophet Amos was a shepherd. But not only were some of Israel's leaders actual shepherds, it's a term often used in reference to leaders in general. And it's not always used in a positive sense. Calling someone a shepherd is, is not always a good thing, especially when those leaders were doing a poor job. 
In fact, one of the passages that Jesus may have specifically in his mind when he teaches these words in John chapter 10 is the prophet Ezekiel's rebuke for the shepherds of Israel. Ezekiel 34, the first two verses, uh, Ezekiel goes on, uh, but these first two verses give you a glimpse of the judgment that God has on bad leaders. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Again, this isn't the literal shepherds, this is the leadership of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? And that's not the end of the rebuke. These shepherds were meant to be healing the sheep, but they're hurting the sheep. They were meant to be leading and, 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 and drawing the sheep back to God, but instead they're inciting fear in the people and scattering them among the nations. Instead of doing what they were meant to be doing, not only are they neglecting the sheep, they're actually harming them. The very leaders who were meant to be drawing them to God were actually preventing them from coming to him. And sadly, this is not just something that uh, people experience during Ezekiel's day. This is very much what Jesus witnessed during his earthly ministry. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is going through the villages and he's preaching the kingdom of heaven. And look at what he experiences, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Like what? Like sheep without a shepherd. The thing is, there were leaders. There's a high priest in Jerusalem. There are these Jewish leaders who are meant, the very people who are meant to be drawing people to God, were actually not only neglecting them, they were harassing them and hurting them. And Jesus in John 10 is saying, those aren't true shepherds. Those are thieves and those are robbers. See, this, this metaphor of the door is really a question of who's in and who's out of God's kingdom. And how do you get in? How do you gain entrance? How can you become part of God's family? And Jesus' words in John chapter 10 only actually make their fullest sense when we, uh, when we realize the context in which Jesus spoke these words. The teaching in John 10 comes right off the heels of a situation that Jesus experienced in John 9, where there's a blind man in John chapter 9, I'll summarize the story for you, that Jesus meets outside of the temple. He's on the outside. He is the definition of a lost sheep, harassed and helpless. He can't work a real job. His parents are nowhere to be found, and he's left as a beggar on the street, fully dependent on the generosity of others. And Jesus meets this man, and to me, it's one of his most interesting miracles. We know Jesus has the power to heal with a mere word. Remember how he calmed the storm? Just say the word. We know that at other moments, Jesus touches someone, and immediately they're healed. But this man, Jesus chooses, we're not sure why, to spit in the dirt, make some mud, and slap it on the guy's eyes. And it's totally bizarre. And then Jesus sends a blind man to go to a pool, Siloam, and wash. A blind man! Right? And so he, he has to find his way there, not only blind, but with mud covering his eyes. And he's never even, you know, he's never even seen Jesus, and he's not sure if this is going to work. This is a reminder to us that sometimes God's instructions don't make sense to us, do they? 
but he's not gonna experience the healing unless he obeys those instructions. And he goes to the pool and he washes. And he goes and he washes and sure enough, Jesus's words were true. He can see, but what should have been the greatest day in this man's life turns into a nightmare. All of a sudden, he's trying to give glory to God and to meet this man who he's never actually seen, this miracle worker, this Jesus, but all of a sudden, the Jewish leaders are there and they're questioning him and there's people who are doubting, are you even the same guy? And he's like, am I, like, I would know if I've been blind my whole life. I haven't been faking and people are accusing him of lying and, you know, he should be now all of a sudden welcomed in. Part of the flock, on the inside, they question his parents and his parents aren't even willing to stick up for him because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. And then the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, this, this legalistic religious group of leaders, he goes before them and they're questioning him. Who is this man who healed you? And they don't believe him and they don't believe him. And this is how the, the, this, this trial ends in John 9, 34. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And what did they do? They cast him, everyone say the next word, they cast him out. And so this blind man who had hope, maybe my life will finally be different. Maybe I'll be welcomed in at the end of this story is still exactly where he started. Same story, you're full of utter sin. Same treatment, they cast him out. And what should have been the best day in this man's life, a day that he, he received his sight and he experienced a miracle, these shepherds demonstrate that they're thieves and they're robbers. The very people who were meant to draw him into God's kingdom were the gatekeepers casting him out. And sadly, it's not just during the day of Ezekiel, and it's not during the days even of Jesus' earthly ministry, we still see this treatment today. Cannot tell you the amount of people I've met who've uttered this same line, some of them in their own deconstruction stories. I was hurt by the church. Have you heard that before? Have you experienced that before? There was someone in that person's story, maybe even in your story, Someone who represented God, who represented the church, who, who, who carried the name of Christ, was the very person who abused them, who mistreated them, who prevented them from seeing God. Maybe it was someone who worked for a church. Maybe it was a leader in the church. Maybe it was a parent who they saw how that person, how that parent interacted in, in, in public, but then they saw how deep those wounds cut in private. And for you, just as someone who is a shepherd, I apologize on behalf of the thieves and the robbers who hurt you and who misrepresented the true nature of God. See, that is the wound into which Jesus speaks these words in John 10. It makes a difference, doesn't it? In how we hear Jesus' teaching on the door and the shepherd, it makes a difference. We are left in our souls crying out for a better shepherd. We need another way in. And it's into that deep cry of the soul that Jesus teaches us. 
Continuing in John 10, verse three. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So one of the things I love about this teaching is it's actually an incredibly simple story, right? You've got the sheep, you've got the, you've got the, the walls, you've got the gate, you've got the shepherd, you've got a robber. And Jesus, it's an incredibly simple story, and yet the, the truth is sometimes difficult for us to uncover, I mean, picture that, that a thief or a robber, they're not just going to sneak over the walls, but sometimes they might try to imitate the voice of the shepherd. Come this way, right? Over here, it's time to go. You know, and they might imitate the voice. Because remember, there's, there's, there, there might even be multiple different sheep, but a true shepherd will walk in through the gate. He doesn't need to climb over the wall. He'll walk in through the gate. And simply because the sheep know his voice, he calls to them, and all of a sudden, they're coming to him. They're drawn to him. That's what Jesus is teaching us about the kind of leader that he is. There's three lessons we learn about Jesus' leadership here. The first one is that Jesus speaks with authority. He speaks with authority. He doesn't mask his voice or shroud his voice. He's not pretending to be someone who he's not. Jesus is the authoritative son of God. We know that when Jesus, te- when Jesus taught, he taught with authority, not like the teachers of his day. People were left asking, what rabbi did he study under? We might say, what, what uh, seminary did he go to? But the reality is he received his teaching straight from heaven, straight from the Father. He knows what he's talking about. This is why even before you're, you're positive that Jesus is who he said he was, you can actually test his way. You can, li- you can start to follow him and listen to him and see if he knows what he's talking about. Jesus spoke. He speaks to us into our lives with Authority. That's the kind of leader that he is. He speaks the truth. He knows what's best and he tells us what's best. The second thing we know about Jesus as a leader is Jesus knows us personally. He knows us personally. Notice the shepherd calls each sheep by what? By their, by their name. If you look at a picture of a hundred sheep, likely they all look the same to you, don't they? They all look the same to me. And yet to a shepherd, especially an Eastern shepherd, they spent a lot of time with the sheep. So much so that they began to actually recognize the differences and it was common practice for the best shepherds to even assign names to all of their sheep. Not just sheep one, sheep two, sheep three. This one's fluffy because it's so fluffy. This one's spot, don't you? It has a little spot. This one's Steve. Eventually, you run out of those adjectives, right? This one's Steve. And, uh, but he knows them. A good shepherd would know them. And if there was one sheep that was straying, a good shepherd would spot that one and personally call to it to come back into the flock. And that's what Jesus is saying about himself. 
that by him all things were created. Guess what is included in all things? You. You and me. And he has every hair on your head numbered. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you intimately and personally. And he's calling on you to follow him. Now, this is not just a beautiful testament to the intimacy in which God knows you. It also is a testament to his faithfulness to relationship. He knows everything about you. Think about that for a moment. Everything about you. He knows your hidden sin. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows the things that are going on in your head that you, don't, you wouldn't even say out loud to other people. And yet, he still desires a relationship with you. The third thing we learn about Jesus' leadership is he leads us lovingly. Notice how Jesus describes this shepherd who goes out before the sheep. There's really only two uh, strategies if you're going to be a shepherd. Uh, you might be a shepherd that leads from behind. And typically those shepherds, they have sheep dogs. I actually have uh, two herding dogs. I have two blue healer dogs at home. They typically don't herd sheep. They herd cattle, but they're called healers. You want to know why they're called healers? Because they bite the heels of the cows, right? And, uh, and so some shepherds, some shepherding strategies, I'm not here to slam different shepherding strategies, by the way, uh, but some, some, in some parts of the world, typically they lead from behind, and there's a lot of barking and biting by dogs. And a lot of, you know, yelling and pushing and maybe even hitting with a stick and getting the sheep to go the right way. That is not the picture that Jesus gives us of the kind of shepherd that he is. He leads us through invitation. He leads from the front. He speaks and we follow his voice. And that's a beautiful picture of a different kind of leadership, a servant leadership, a humble leader, one kind of leader that demands our trust. And it's also a testament to the fact that Jesus is not putting us out there first in danger, but he himself is inviting us to go where he himself first has gone. He leads by example. And this blind man's story from John chapter 9 does not end with him cast out by the thieves and the robbers. Does not end with him cast out because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And this blind man is actually the recipient of this shepherd leadership of Jesus. Look at John chapter nine, verse 35. Jesus heard that they cast him out and having found him said, do you believe in the son of man? This is a messianic title, another title for you know, that we might say the son of God or the Christ or the Messiah. And he answered, the blind man answered, and who is he, sir? that I may believe in him. Do you remember earlier the mud? It's all starting to come together. He's never seen Jesus yet. He's only heard his, everyone say it, he's only heard his. And Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Who is this man? Earlier, when the blind man was questioned, who is this person who healed you? Who is this Jesus? He answered very directly, he's a prophet. Pretty safe answer. A lot of people thought Jesus was just a prophet, a prophet only, a powerful man who spoke from God, maybe even a miracle worker. We know Elijah you know, performed miracles. Some of the prophets could do miracles as well. He's a prophet, it's a safe answer. But here, this man changes his opinion on Jesus. 
You don't worship a prophet. Who do you worship? You worship God alone. And this man, who is blind, hears the good shepherd. He hears his voice. The good shepherd who went to seek and to save him. This blind man who is cast out, left on the outside by the religious leaders of his day. Jesus invites him into God's kingdom. And this man believes that he's the son of God, and he bows down, and he worships him. That is the appropriate response when we recognize who is this man. We recognize the true answer to that question. Jesus, a little bit later in John 10, 27, would summarize what it means to be his follower when he says this, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Notice, before you can follow Jesus, and before you're even in relationship with Jesus, where does it begin? By hearing his voice, by hearing the gospel, by hearing God calling your name. Are you here today, and Jesus is calling your name? If you don't have a faith in Jesus yet, is Jesus, can you hear his voice through his word? He's calling to you. He's the good shepherd. He's the overseer of your soul. He's the only one who can save. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart. Enter through the door. There's only one name under heaven or on earth by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Follow him. Know him and be known by him. Hear his voice and respond in faith. This is... The G, the, the Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins, rose from the grave three days later, and he invites you to share in his victory. For your, your sins can be forgiven today, and maybe for you it begins uh, very simply by just bowing down to God in your heart, like this blind man bows down and worships him, and giving your life to God, praying a simple prayer today. You can pray today and ask God to forgive your sin and lead your life. But I want to challenge you to respond the way Jesus instructed us, and that's through baptism, being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Something interesting about this teaching, the door, we'll see this in a moment, where Jesus calls himself not only the shepherd, but the door. Does anyone notice we have a door on our stage? Have you seen this before? Like, if you don't know, like, have you ever wondered where that goes? It's like a secret passage. We have a door. It's right here. This is a door. It's not just like a prop. It's not a stage design. That door leads into a small hallway to the baptistry. And over the last 111, 112 years, there's been hundreds of people in this very church building who have entered through that door to go down into the waters, to humble themselves in front of a a body of believers and declare that they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I just want to challenge you, if you've never been baptized, Jesus is calling you to enter through the door, which is him, to be clear, to enter through the door, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But where that leads you is it'll lead you maybe through that very door to go down and to join in to God's family and to be united in fellowship with the hundreds of people who've been baptized in this very building over the last century and to unite with the billions of Christians who've been baptized into Christ Jesus over the last 2,000 years. If you want to get baptized, you can mark that on a Connect card today. You can go to uh, online, hillcityboise.org slash baptism. And I would love to invite you to come to a faith 
in Jesus. Jesus continues his teaching in John chapter 10, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. And if anyone, everyone say that word, anyone, even you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how you've been hurt before, maybe you had some version of Christianity before that was totally ruined by a false leader, by a thief or a robber, even you, anyone who enters by me, notice Jesus' promise, he will be saved and I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is Jesus' masterclass on leadership. And I want to speak to you for a moment. Here's a warning that we find in this teaching. Be careful who you follow. Be careful who you follow. Now, we use this line, the thief or the robber comes only to steal, kill, or destroy. That does not sound like a good time. Right? And typically, when we hear those words, we think of who? We think of the devil, right? We think of the devil. But specifically, Jesus seems to be not really giving us a theology of Satan. He seems to be giving a practical lesson on who? On the Pharisees who have cast out this blind man. So we just need to ask that question. So who is Jesus referring to when he's talking about the thief and the robber? Is he talking about the Jewish leaders or is he talking about the devil? My answer, yes. (laughs) Specifically, he's calling out the Jewish leaders in this moment. But earlier, if you're reading carefully in John chapter 8, he's actually said that these Jewish leaders are acting the way they're acting because they're actually being influenced, not by God, but they're being influenced by the devil. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus has said this of this same group of Pharisees. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. People who represent God, or maybe I could say misrepresent God and actually cause destruction in their faith. This is, a, this is a crazy thought for us to understand. They're not children of God. Those leaders, according to Jesus, are children of the devil. What they're doing is so serious, it's demonic. Be careful who you follow. Because these Pharisees looked pretty good on the outside. Fasted a few times a week. They gave... They did all these practices. Interestingly, we use this language of followers for social media, don't we? If you want to subscribe to someone and see what they have to say about life, to see what they ate for breakfast or did on Tuesday, we become their followers. Far too many Christians have been led astray by following the wrong voices. I see it all the time. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, is very aware that there's not just good leaders, good shepherds, but there's false teachers. In fact, that's the very reason he wrote 1 John, his letter to the church in 1 John. Here's his primary reason for writing. In 1 John 2, uh, 18, he says this, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. When you think of like the Antichrist or the devil or the enemy. But he says this, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. A little bit later on, he says, this is the reason that I wrote to you. 
is the reality that we have to be careful, very careful about who we follow. We must recognize these false voices, these false leaders. Some of you need to go home today on social media and unfollow certain accounts to stop listening to certain podcasts or YouTube channels. You need to be really careful about the books that you read. Just because it's in a book doesn't make it true. Just because it's on the internet, obviously, we should have learned this. Wikipedia taught us this years ago. Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. And I've seen far too many, many followers of Jesus who haven't discerned the true voice of Christ regularly so as they can't recognize the false voices of other leaders who are in fact thieves and robbers that they're encountering on the internet. Here's what we learn about Jesus' teaching when he calls himself the door. Here's what the door does. The door grants access. It's pretty simple to understand. How do you get into a sheep pen without climbing over the wall? You have to go through the door, through the gate. It's the way that you get into something. For us, if Jesus is talking about his sheepfold as the kingdom of heaven, that's how you gain access. Here's one of the best ways for you to recognize a false teacher or a false leader. Do they believe that there's only one door? Or do they say that there's other ways? I think of John 14. It's one of, another, one of the other I am statements of Christ. We're going to get to it in a few weeks. Where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you start hearing a teacher or a leader even suggest there's other ways to God beyond Jesus Christ. It's a thief that's a robber. Stay away from those voices. Don't, don't submit yourself under those kinds of leaders. What it also teaches us is that you can't sneak your way into God's kingdom. That's what a thief does. A thief is kind of a sneaky way to steal. A robber is a forceful way to steal. You can't sneak your way into God's kingdom. You can't force your way into God's kingdom. You must enter the right way. If you want to be in God's family, if you want to be in God's kingdom, you must go through the door. And what's the door? Jesus Christ. You must enter through Jesus Christ. The second thing that we learn about Jesus when he says he's the door is the door not only grants access, the door provides safety. It's the whole reason why sheep go into a sheep pen. It's for safety. That's the, the dominant metaphor is during the day, if the shepherd's there, you know, he takes them out and they're in a nice green pasture. But at nighttime, where there's danger lurking about, there's thieves, there's robbers, there's wild animals, he gathers the sheep into the pen for safety. And Jesus tells us that the shepherd, once he has his sheep and they know him and he knows them, he leads them into these green pastures and these still waters. It's this picture from Psalm 23 of God being our shepherd. It's really this picture of salvation. Those who are in on God's kingdom, those are the ones who are saved. Those are the ones who are in the kingdom of heaven. Or as John often refers to the kingdom of heaven, he simply calls it eternal life. And this eternal life is the idea not only that we will live with God forever and ever, but it's also this idea of a quality of life. It's the idea of life abundant, as John says. It's not just years of life. It's the way that eternal life begins right here and right now. Remember Psalm 23, the shepherd leads the sheep not only to the still waters and the green pastures, but the shepherd also leads the sheep 
in the valley of the shadow of death. So just because we experience eternal life and we have the hope of heaven, what it also means is it also doesn't necessarily guarantee comfort or ease. I think of another teaching from Jesus where he refers to himself as the door or the gate is Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So Jesus is still calling us to enter through the narrow gate, to enter through him, but he doesn't promise ease or comfort. He promises to be with us. He promises to lead us through whatever season, the highs and the lows that we experience in life. And if we follow Jesus, he will, he will lead us in the way everlasting. Here's what this means for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the flock, you're in, he knows you by name, you know him and you're following him. Here's what this means for you. Help people find their way to Jesus. There are billions of people on planet earth that have not entered through the narrow gate. They have not heard the voice of Jesus and maybe even they've tasted of religion, but they've never tried a relationship with God. Maybe they have a damaged story or church hurt. Maybe they want nothing to do with God. They're on that wide road and they don't recognize that though that road might seem easier, there's instant gratification, there's temporary pleasure, and it's even more popular that ultimately that road leads to destruction. It's not going to lead to fulfillment. It's not going to lead to life and life abundant. And for you, you're not their savior, so you can't save those people. But if you know where the door is, you can show them the way. You can show them the way to Jesus. You can be the person, not in their story, who prevents them from coming in. You can be the person who shows them the entrance. You can be the person that they needed. You can pray for those people. We've got these, uh, these prize prayer bookmarks. We've got a ton of them, and I would encourage you. It's just a simple commitment to write down 10 names of people that you know who are lost. Would you do that? Maybe if you took one last week, but you never filled it out. Fill it out. Pray through the people in your life that God has specifically placed you in their path, that they would come to know Christ. You can't save, but you can pray. You can't save, but you can seek those people out. You can have eyes to see those who've been cast out, who've been kicked to the curb, who feel like the outsiders. You can show the love of Christ. You can show people Christ's love before they even have words for the love of, of Christ in the gospel. And you can be the one who invites them invites them in. It might start by a simple invitation to church, an invitation to Easter. We're going to do our best to make room for uh, a seat for every single person who wants to come and be a part of our Easter gatherings. Uh, Three different service times, Easter Sunday, 8.30, 10 a.m., and 11.30. And I want to invite you to be inviting people and praying that God would move powerfully on Easter. But maybe God actually wants you to be the person not, not even for, for them to come and to hear me share the gospel with them, but for you to be the person who speaks gospel truth over their life. Would we be a church that is full of people who bring their friends, who bring their neighbors, who bring their coworkers to Jesus, help people find their way to Jesus? Let's stand and worship our God.
Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.